0: Women who
1: rock. Women. rock. Women who rock. Women who rock. Women who
0: rock. Women who rock. Women who rock. Women who rock.
2: This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I'm very happy to say that I'm joined by Sydney pop artist. Britney Mags, Brittany, welcome to TWSR.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. It's good. I'm really
2: glad that you're here. Um, you. you have just, and also congratulations. Thank you. you. Just very recently released a single called "Underneath the Sheets." Yes. It is quite electronically focused. Yes. And you've had three singles over the last, I think, about uh, about a year.
1: Yeah, coming up to a year now.
2: And I just listened to the... Just before you came, I listened to all three of them back to back. And there's quite a a difference difference in the styles. Can you tell us a bit about how... Maybe your music has progressed over the past twelve months, and how that's reflected in the songwriting and the style of the music.
1: Yes, yeah, so Lazy Boy was my first single, mm. and that's coming up to a year that it, that's been released. Um, and when I wrote that, you know, I kind of just wanted something that was like, you know, poppy and fun and like sassy, I guess. It's and, high energy. Oh yeah, it was um, it was an. It was a good one recording that one. I was really tired at the end. But um, I just kind of <laughs> wanted something that showed, like, my fun side, did all of that, showed, like, you know, my sassy side, showed kind of just a little bit of who I was. And then Reasons was kind of like my little love ballad that um, was very, very special to me, that song. And – um. I wanted to release that one as a single because I just thought, you know, it's so meaningful and it showed a different side to who I was and it showed like Lazy Boy was really sassy. This kind of showed the side to me that was like, well, you know, I I do still get my heart broken. I still do like fall in love, all of that stuff. So um, that's reasons. And then underneath the sheets just kind of came about and I just was like, oh my gosh, this is such a summer song. Like I love this vibe and such a like a me per like me personally, like that vibe is who I am. I love being upbeat, it just reminds me of like a fun summer day. So I was like, Oh, I need to do this song, and yeah,
2: it's almost like you're telling a story by changing not just like the lyrics or the type of song, but it's like the genre has shifted to reflect, yeah, how you're feeling,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's I mean, I guess that's the thing I love about music. I get to kind of create my own way, create my own paths, and mm. I'm lucky enough that you know what I've released, you know the people that have listened have liked it so they like they seem to want to follow me through the my journeys of changing the way I sound and all of that but I think it all it all still kind of like lazy boy and underneath the sheets kind of almost go together but yeah no I love it I love being able to change
2: so do you think that in the future because you've released three singles will you continue to release singles in the future or do you plan to work towards like a full body of work and if so, how does it work with having
1: like the different styles and sort of mashing together? I've actually always thought about that. I'm like, I wonder what my album would be like. Would it be like <laughs> so slow then really upbeat the next second? But um, no, I definitely want to keep releasing singles, mm-hmm. but I am 100% working towards an album. I released my EP back in um, September and, you know, I want to get out an album. I think my album would be – a lot like the last three singles. You know, there'd be ballads in there, but then there'd also be the fun songs just to kind of show all my personalities. Okay. You know, when I write, I don't write to think, oh, this is going to be a single or this is going to be a like a massive thing or I want this to be upbeat. I write what I'm feeling mm. and then I'll go back and if I listen to it a couple times and I'm still feeling that way and I want people to feel what I'm feeling, then... Then you know, then I'm like, okay, maybe this could be the single. This could be it.
2: It was like tapping into an emotion now and sorting it out later <clears throat> about how it's released and how it fits into Yeah. The it's story. almost
1: kinda like a weird therapy. Like you write the song, you go through whatever you're going through mm. and then you come back to it and it's like, ow, that's gonna reopen some <laughs> some feelings. But like um, reading an
2: old diary entry.
1: Literally. That's what it is. You go back and you're reading you just And then people knowing your thoughts. That's kind of the hardest part of it. It's like people Mm. knowing how you're feeling, what you're thinking. That was the first thing that I was like, oh, everyone's going to know what I think (laughs) now. But yeah, no, it was um, fun.
2: (laughs) On the idea of having these different styles that you're delving into, that's very much reflected in your covers. Yeah. So you put over the last year quite a lot of covers, or last couple of years, a lot of covers on YouTube. Yeah. And they range in genre, I think it's Definitely. fair to say. There's a country
1: got, one in there. A country <laughs> one.
2: Uh, Linkin Park. Yep. Numb. Pretty recently. Yep. Uh, so it seems as though you're listening to a really broad range of music. Yeah. How are you deciding which covers to release, to do videos for, to release for?
1: You see, like my my playlist is a very weird playlist okay. like it's got really sad songs then it's got like like electric music like EDM it's then it's got like country music and then it's got like you know R&B like it's the weirdest playlist ever okay but i think um you know when i release a cover i don't release it for the views i don't release it for any of that it's just kind of i'll be like oh that kind of relates to me at the moment or i'm really feeling that song and i feel like I want to sing it for me. I want to be able to sing it and let out that emotion. And that song does that. So I'm going to do that. And if it gets people, like if people listen, that's amazing. Thank you. But also if they don't, you know, I got to do that song. I got to do that song because I love it, Mm. which is like numb. That was a weird one. I was so nervous to do that. I was in the studio actually nervous. Like, oh my gosh, people are going to like hate me.
2: (laughs) Were you a big fan of Linkin Park?
1: Yes. I I went through and I was like sitting there and I actually did it for Tone Deaf. Mm. We were working together and they said, can you do a cover? And there was Green Day, there was Lincoln Park, there was Simple Plan and a whole bunch of others. And I was straight away, I was like, okay, I know which one I'm going to do, but I'm going to ask you guys first. If I do this, what is your opinion? And they came back and they're like, give it a shot, send it to us and we'll let you know what we think. So, you know, I did it, sent it over and they loved it. And I was like, okay, thank you. That was probably the first one where I've ever thought, will people like this? Okay. But other than that, every other one just like, oh, I like this country song. I'm going to put this one up. That's really cool that you just, you know,
2: I like this music, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to record that because that's what I want to do right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I do music because I love it. It's my passion. Mm. I've done it since I was a little kid. Anything musically, I'm like, yes. So that's what I th- kind of think when it comes to covers. I'm like, oh, well, I love this song. Why wouldn't I cover it? Why would I, Why wouldn't I want people to mm. hear me sing this song maybe?
2: That's really interesting. Last night... The I'm gonna tell a story about reading a metal magazine. Tell me. <laughs> Last night, my housemate <laughs> brought home this like metal magazine, and I was flicking through it. Yeah. And there's a Danish black metal art- artist called Mia Core. That's and it's a cool this, name. This lady, who when she was in her like early 20s, she used to be in a pop band, like mm. an indie pop band. Yeah. In um New York, but she, in all the interviews she was talking about, but you know I really love death metal, and everyone kind of ignored her, and then she just like. Changed instantaneously yeah. and became
1: like a black death metal artist. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love that. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if one day I come out with a country album. That really would not surprise me if okay. I'm like just one day like mm, country, just for fun, <laughs> just for me, just for me to actually do it. But no, I love my pop lane. I love pop music. I relate to pop a lot more. Mm. But I love all genres. Like I couldn't like I just like everything. I do like everything. Mm-hmm. I even listen to some Screamo. Like,
2: <laughs> it happens. You must have a very interesting Spotify, like, recommendations for new songs. Oh, it is. You know
1: your, like, daily mix, like, one, two, three, four? And, like, they're completely – like, one's, like, all these country people, the next, like, Screamo, and mm. it's, like, funny.
2: I love it. It also reminded me of – because they said that uh, this Danish artist moved to New York when she was really young. Yeah. She just wanted to do music, and then that's it. And you, you moved to the U.S. Yeah. When you were young as well. Were you there for two years?
1: I was there – I was there for about three years, Mm -hmm. back and forth, for a lot of my teenage years. I was there 15 to 18. Um, Yeah, that was really fun. But it was also really, like, draining. As a 15-year-old, I thought that that was, like, really what it was, what I wanted. And um, once going there, I realized that, damn, like, this is actually hard work. (laughs) Like, Mm. it's hard. And it's, like, studio 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day. Sit there and you write that song. But, yeah. Yeah. I did that when I was 15. I that's, I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs>
2: it's a great story and I'm sure that you learned so much. Mm. I'm interested, again, this is weird parallels to My- Um, So when you have kind of first went there as a 15-year-old, you had some mindset and some like impression of music and the music industry. Mm. And now that you've been, you were there for multiple years and you've come back, you're making music in Australia. I guess I want to know what is the biggest difference of the way you perceive or look at music? yeah music but also like music industry
1: so the music industry is a lot different to what i thought i thought you know you just write music and you release it and that's kind of it and it's not there's so many things behind it you don't realize how much actually goes behind it you know you write the song then you have to produce the song and then you have to mix the songs then you have to get it out to the digitals Then you have to do all of that and i didn't think it was anything like that I just thought, you know, I'm gonna get to sing. People are gonna hear me sing. Like that. Like that's my, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, there's a lot of, shall I say, dodgy. Like there's a lot of dodginess in the music industry. I mean, I guess there is in every industry. Sure. But there's a lot of people that'll be like, well, I can do this for you if you pay this, and it's like, well, why should I have to pay you for that if I can go somewhere else? And you know, they just believe in me. Mm. The LA kind of. When I was younger, I used to think that L.A. was the be-all and end-all. You had to live in L.A. You had to be, like, from L.A. to be an artist. I, I, that was my mindset, I think, because I grew up, like, you know, watching Hannah Montana and all of that, like, California lifestyle was mm. it. And then, um, you know, once I got there, I realized, like, I can do this back home. I can do this back home and have the support of my friends and my family behind me and the support of where I live, Australia. Mm. Um standing right behind me instead of being in a completely weird different place where no one can understand me properly because they're like what are you saying (laughs) you sound so Aussie but um I was like I can go home and do this and that's kind of when at 18 I turned around and I was like you know what mom I think I'm ready I want to do this from home I want to work on myself at home and just learn who I am as an artist because you start to lose yourself over there a bit you start to Conform to their lifestyle. There's a lot of sad, lonely people in LA that have gone there to chase their dreams, and then you realize that it's cannot. It can be the place, but can also not be the place. So I came home, and you know, really found myself. I've grown a lot since then. A oh, like a lot. Well, you were so young. It's like year ten when you went there, right? Yeah, oh. I I had to leave school. Mm. Uh, I left school in year eleven, but at a young age, you're you kind of look to everybody to tell you who to be. And how to dress or how to look. And I can mm. remember very clearly one time going through a drive through with a photographer, a very high-end like photographer over there. And um, everyone was ordering burgers and I ordered, I literally ordered a chicken salad and um, he looked at me and he said, well, that's good because, um, you know, there's not enough room in this world for more than one Adele. And I was, like, shocked because I was, like, who could say that about somebody? Like, Adele is beautiful. She has one of the best voices. Like, pardon? And that's their mindset. So, you know, 15, being told what to eat, how to dress, be- how to be, how to act, you start to lose yourself. You start to become a product instead of a person. So mm-hmm. came back here and now it's kind of like, well, now I'm a person. Brittany Mags is an artist, is a person. I'm not a product. I... I'm very myself now, which I really am proud of, because it took me a while to do that. I think I'm still learning, but yeah.
2: And you're making loads of music here. Yes. We should listen to some. Yes. Yes. The single released uh, last week.
1: Yeah, Friday the 21st.
2: Underneath (laughs) the sheets. Yes. Let's hear it right now.
0: I've been waiting all night for you Only want me when you're naked And it's clear what you're trying to do Only want me on your own
2: sheets yes the newest single
1: my latest Banks. single
2: we were talking before that you you went overseas at quite a young age yeah but you've also had heaps of studio experience and from pretty young age as well yeah and I guess we've spoken about this on the podcast a little bit but studios can be pretty like intense mm-hmm. environment yeah how did you deal with that going into that environment at such a young age
1: Um. Well, as I said, like school wasn't my thing. I wasn't able to focus in school, but for some reason, put me in a studio, I'll sit there for hours. And like I'll sit in dead silence if I need to just sit there and like Uh. write. That's that's where I get in my zone. You know, I think the first time I ever went into a studio, I think I was either 13 or 14, and I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first time in there. I'd never even heard myself on a microphone. And um, I wrote a song, I think, for my mum. And then, um, so the first time I did like a proper studio session in LA was quite intense. I went to eat a cookie and they snapped the cookie out of my hand. I was like, do not eat that. And I was like, why? You put the cookies on the table. They're like, you can't sing and eat. And so that was another thing that was like weird about LA. Like the producers I worked with were bred into you don't eat before you sing. So sit in a session for 12 hours and try not to eat. It's hard. But um, Do you eat lots before you go in? or? No, because of the time zones, and I was always jet-lagged. I was always jet-lagged. I was always tired. I wouldn't wake up till, like, half an hour before my session. I'd okay. walk into my session, and then I'd get out at, like, sometimes, like, 1, 2 a.m., sometimes 3 I think my latest time I ever walked out was four AM and I was like, damn, the sun's gonna come up in a second. (laughs) And um then I'll just go eat like as much as I want, go Mm. to bed, sleep, wake up the next morning. Like I might have a banana or something, but like, you know, they they bred that into me for a while. Now my sessions now, I ate a burrito, walk into the studio and still eat my burrito (laughs) like singing. Like I'm like, I don't care, it doesn't change anything, but you know, it's a lot different for me. I can sit in a studio for as long as you want me to and like ride or just get out my feelings. I love it.
2: That's really interesting that you couldn't concentrate in school. Or maybe you couldn't necessarily not concentrate, but it kind of wasn't the right environment for you.
1: No, I just I couldn't concentrate. Okay. Something about it, I just wasn't it wasn't for me. I knew it wasn't for me. Like when I was in year 8, I remember telling my mum mum in year 10, like I think that might be my last year, I don't see myself progressing further. I don't want to interrupt other people's like learning not for me I'd rather you know get out there and just start my music let me just start my music and for a long time it was no 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 Brittany stay, you have to stay in school you have to stay in school and then um when I started like traveling a lot they the school was kind of like to me you know you're not here enough and so I went to my parents and I was like I think it's time I'm, I'm not doing well I'm pretty much failing because I'm never here mm-hmm. so um yeah but I'm uh yeah I was quite happy to leave school but, but studio is more for me.
2: Do you know what it is about that studio environment that m- helps you concentrate? Just music. Just music. Even
1: now, like to this day, like um, to fall asleep, I have to listen to like rain music. Like, just rain or, like, a piano. Actually, I can't listen to pianos anymore because I started writing songs in my head to them. You start so analyzing it? Yes, yeah, so I okay. couldn't fall asleep. But I have to, like, listen to, like, kind of, like, meditation music to fall asleep. My mm. whole life revolves around music. I constantly, like, will have, like, an airpod in my ear, like, you know, walking around listening to music. It's just something. Something about it makes my, like, my brain works in that way. It works in the musical thing. Like, if I ever had a test at school, sometimes I'd sing my, like, answers in my head. Like, Oh, well, I know the answer to that. So I'd make up like a little like song. A song. I learned that trick from Hannah Montana.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, study study tips from Hannah Montana. <laughs>
1: yeah. She helped me through a lot.
2: <laughs> we, You said something really interesting before when we, just when we came in about the idea of, because there's a bit of an art to song length, right? Yeah. There's always been the idea of you know, this is the radio version or we have to have it. I didn't know what it was, like three minutes and 10 seconds. Is that like the...
1: Yes, three minutes, 10 seconds was normally like the standard for a song. Mm. Any longer people lose their... Like people are like, okay, this is dragging on. But keep a song shorter and it keeps kind of people wanting more. There's There was one song on the radio for a while there... I can't remember what song it was, but it was short. And everyone would be like, I feel like this song just needs to go on more. And that's like, it got talked about more, more stream. Like it's mm. more attention span, shorter. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
2: But do you talk about that in the studio, consciously thinking that people's attention spans are reducing, so we need to reduce the song time? Is yeah. That a conversation? Um,
1: so some of the songs I worked on for my EP, um, you know, it, you have to get it over a certain time. Nobody wants to release a 60 second song that's like nothing. That's like a verse sometimes. Mm. Um, but you know, when you're writing, a producer will let you know your song is at this time. Um, what do you want to do from here? And so I always my songs are always around like the two, like the two fifty mark. Sometimes they're around like the three ten. Sometimes they can be longer. But you know, you try to keep it around like two uh, two fifty to three ten. Try to keep it around that because it kind of keeps people like interested enough, but for not long enough that they're going to be like, this is just dragging on now.
2: Mm. The We should talk about touring as well. Yes. You just did a pretty cool tour.
1: Yes, I did. <laughs> with Dami Im? Yeah, I just finished that in December.
2: What did you learn during that tour? Everything. Actually everything? everything. Like, I'm okay. not
1: <laughs> everything. Like, in-ear monitors can hurt your ears sometimes. I learnt that. I learnt um, cord microphones are very hard to run on a stage with. I've tripped over a couple of times. Okay. I learnt how to, you know, balance fun and work. How to get enough sleep, but not sleep too much that so you're missing so much of that. what a tour is, ad- adventuring. Dami taught me so much. She like just even watching her that taught me. Like her stage presence is like 100%. Like she's in- she's insane. She's so good. She's so talented. But just watching her confidence gave me confidence. Like my first show, I was like, "Hi, I'm Brittany." And then by my <laughs> last show, I was like, "Hey, I'm Brittany. Like, how you doing?" And then like no one like let's just say sometimes you'd have crowds like nobody would like want to like yell out. I think one time I was like, "How's everyone doing?" And no one answered. And I was like, so I'm guessing no one's doing good then. And then, like, everyone laughs. And then they engage. Like, whereas me in the first show never would have done that. I wasn't confident enough to do that. But by the end of the tour, I was, like, having fun. Like, I enjoyed my time on the stage. I didn't want it to end. I, I still don't want it to end. I can't wait to go on another tour. Mm. But um, I learned so much on that tour. Literally everything. That was my first tour ever.
2: It was really compressed as well. It was yeah. over such a short period of time.
1: Yeah, so it was all up, I think, four months. But... um. We like there was a couple of weekends where we'd have off, okay. but then there'd be like weekends where it'd be like three shows in one weekend. I think one weekend we mm. did three shows around Sydney. I drove back home at midnight, got on an next plane at 5 a.m., went to Perth for telethon. So it uh, kind of taught me how to time management, <laughs> how to time manage myself a little better and not just like be on my own schedule. I was like on other people's schedules. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was like the most fun. It came at the best time, too. Like, you know, my, my family, had lost my grandfather and then you know we had his funeral on the monday and then on the tuesday you know every my whole family's kind of at home just hanging out as a family and then i got a call from my manager and he was like hey like i need to tell you something and i was like yes like what <laughs> i need like i'm with my family he was like you're going on tour and i was like what like i was so happy i was mm-hmm. like i can still picture exactly like where i was where i was standing, and um. It was the best like four months. Like I I got to see so many places, do so many things and I loved it.
2: Do you have plans for the future or is that a secret?
1: I definitely have plans for the future. um, I'm hopefully going to be touring again this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely going to be doing my own shows. I have a couple of exciting collaborations coming up with brands and um, all of that. But um, yeah, no touring, that'll definitely happen again this year.
2: time for the segment Yes. tell me a thing where I have a list of seven topics and ask you to choose one of them to tell me something about the topics are politics death punk rock poetry Patti smith musical equipment and recording equipment so Brittany, can you please tell me a thing
1: i'm gonna tell you about death <laughs> that's, i know that's pretty dark but um i'm gonna tell you about this one my family we, we, had, we had a lot of animals at one stage in our life. We had like a, a ram. I had two horses. We had three dogs. We had chickens. We had guinea pigs. Slowly they all kind of just like went, not died, but like, you know, we sold them and had to get rid of the horses. But we were left with three dogs. One was Max, Chanel, and Harley. Max uh, was 19. And it was, oh, whoa. yeah, old dog, really yeah. old dog. Um, 19 and we had to put him down last year. And I got a tattoo on my ankle for him, and they botched it. <laughs> Quite a bad tattoo, but it's okay. like it's like whatever. I'm gonna get it covered one day. But you know that dog was like a superhuman dog. He got ripped apart by a pit bull when he was eight, like literally ripped to shreds. They sewed him back up like a doll. Like he's like bowels, everything was hanging out, everything. Um, so he lived through that. Then on Christmas Day, I ran him over. Um, oh, in man. a big car, like I was in like a Ute, pretty much ran over the dog, and he lived through that. Then he had um basically like a heart murmur for like a year, but like he was still like a happy dog. So we ended up having to put him down because whatever. And yesterday, my sixteen-year-old Chanel. We actually had to put her down, unfortunately, yesterday. Oh, my God. So we literally are down to, like, one dog. But then my brother and his fiancé, who live on our property, um, have a dog, Jax, as well. But, yeah, no, yesterday we went and put my beautiful little Chanel down. Um, I'm not getting a tattoo for her (laughs) because I'm not risking the whole botching thing. But, uh, yeah, when she um, was passing away, she um, had her tongue out and she, like, literally was, like, smiling. It was, like, the weirdest thing Ever. It was like, she was like smiling at us. like. <laughs> so
2: you were all there?
1: Yeah. We all, um with Max, we had a vet come to the house. That was a little bit traumatic because like they carried them out. My dogs just chased him. So we just decided like this time we were going to take her to a vet, but the vet was beautiful. And, um you know, we got to sit with her for like an hour and then they, you know did the process (laughs) and then they you know said you can sit in here for as long as you want i'm not the type of person i don't deal well with that i don't like it i don't like seeing it but um we kind of sat in there for like five minutes and i was like okay this is a bit weird now i'm like we should we should go let's not just stay here with it Mm. because you know she'd already gone but my whole family—oh, not my whole family. Me, my mum, and um, my brother's fiance Olivia was there as well, and we all just kind of sat there. And at first, like, it was really sad, and like everyone was crying. But then, like, you know, we looked at Chanel. She had like tongue out, and it was just like, it was kind of funny. We couldn't stop laughing because, like, you know, she kept like blowing off gas and like the room just stunk and it was like you know you try to be sad but you're locked in this tiny room that stinks so bad there's no air ventilation so it's like you know you're crying next minute you're like can't breathe and you're like (coughs) like yeah
2: that's a really sad story
1: no yeah yes and no like uh, she was our dog i had her for like my whole like a lot of my life Mm. um but, you know, I think once they get to that age, it's cruel. It's sure. so cruel to keep them alive, you know, when they can't even, like, walk. Like, that's, like, sad. I think she's happier now. You know, I look at it as, like, you know, I love them. But you got, if you love them enough, you'll, like, help them. Mm. But, yeah. That, Sixteen
2: is a pretty good run.
1: Sixteen is, I don't know, we, our dogs, for some reason, last. So now we have Harley, which is a Kelpie. And we're like, damn, how long are we going to get out of this one? Like,
2: who knows? You didn't get a tattoo for Chanel but how did how do you have a botch tattoo
1: I can show you it's like see that? for the
2: benefit of listeners
1: okay okay see how like the lines are all like blurred? it's a poor yeah it's a poor and it has an M in it okay so it's a poor print but see how it's got like the lines are out and there's like little dots everywhere the inks like run completely it's like thicker on this side and not on this side can you see all that I think you
2: have to look at it pretty closely to uh, notice that. Nah. No?
1: Nah. <laughs> okay. I also. Have I guess a, you've
2: seen it a lot more than I have because it's on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also have like a tattoo that I thought was going to be a butter- butterfly on the back of my arm and it actually looks like a moth.
2: Okay. So I'm you getting that. Bad, you had uh-huh. a bad
1: run. Uh-huh. I'm very impulsive. Now, I just
2: walk in and just Are do you it. going to like professional studios where they have professional
1: yeah. artists? No, no, no. Or- I went somewhere that was like really like good and like okay. had its own tv show and all of that and um they're the, oh, that, right. they're the ones that did my um moth but i'm going to go get that cleared up um on friday actually i'm getting the moth just not the paw print i don't know what to cover that up with yet okay but yeah i'm not getting a tattoo for chanel i've decided i'm not doing impulsive things anymore <laughs> right
2: and that's pretty impulsive <laughs> yeah. getting a tattoo
1: i was just like oh i love max he was a part of the family let me get a paw print on my ankle yeah. Maybe I'll just get another C next to the M.
2: No. There's a lot of options. Then it's like McDonald's. No. Maybe just don't go on the TV show if that was the place what did you Yeah, no, I'm not going there ever again. <laughs> sure.
1: Okay. Anyone that asks me, I'm like, don't go there. Yeah. But I won't say it. like, oh, there it is, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Um, Brittany, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I really like these um, seven things you've got here. I'm Topics. glad you like
2: the list. I do. That's and really cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. (laughs) This has been fun.
2: Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.